All right, back here at Lawler Rink, where after two periods, the Warriors trail Boston College 3-2. to two. Mike Macknick with John Leahy. Mike McMahon joins us from the Mac Report and the Eagle Tribune as well. And, uh, Mike, things got pretty interesting there late in that second period, didn't they? Yeah, I'm not even sure what happened. I saw Jardine and Fitzgerald, I know, were on the bench. That was sort of what initially started it, and then guys sort of come over and gathered. And it's been a pretty chippy game, really, from the start. So I think things sort of gathered, players gathered. And the interesting part was it looked like all four officials were all focused on Jardine and Fitzgerald getting them separated because they were sort of spilling into the, the BC bench there. And then they had all this action going on behind them. I'm not even sure they knew what was going on at first. Yeah, I had to come over and take a look at the tape as well. Now, my understanding, I mentioned at the time, see if I'm correct here, if you know, uh, they can't add penalties, right? Now we get to look at it here. But uh, can't add penalties. You can only look to see which player it was who committed an infraction, right? They can't, exactly, yeah. Now, they, they don't know even what the penalties were. The Merrimack staff isn't sure what they were. They're going actually down to check it. I just I just checked with them before I came over here to see what the penalties were, and they said they were going to go down and ask the officials uh, at the break here what the infractions actually were. So I don't think they can... I, I think they can do it to identify players, I believe. If they know that there's an infraction, I think they're allowed to use the replay to identify players. Because they were looking at that for a long time. I think trying to determine who was where and who was with who and what was what. Yeah, I mean, looking at the box they had online, at least they had the DQs listed there for McCaution and Colquitt, which makes sense because the two of them were taken off and, you know, those are two guys that were involved in one of the more, uh, you know, egregious, I guess, of the uh, the entanglements. But effectively, you had everybody on the ice paired up there and uh, could have taken just about everybody off and I've seen that happen before. That wouldn't have surprised me, but uh, you know, double minors and misconducts for most of the guys. You had uh, majors and misconducts and uh, uh, or, or I still don't know how we ended up with two and five going on the board there because it seems like Colquist and McCaution both got five in, in a game. I don't know where the uh, two came from, who got that, or whatever it was. But at any rate, uh, uh, Merrimack ended up with, as it turned out, benefited from that situation. They got the five on three uh, after the later penalty was called against uh, Gilmore. They go up five on three. They get the goal from Cini and kind of, you know, they haven't gotten a lot of breaks, a lot of puck luck tonight, as the case may be, but they got puck luck on that play, and Cini scored the goal. Yeah, the power play looks a little different, too. It seems like they're set a little differently. It almost sort of reminds me of the power play they used when DaCosta was here, trying to set up that shot on the corner, the corner at the top of the circle, as opposed to something coming from the points. They're, they seem to be moving differently, moving guys differently, moving the puck differently. So I, I know they've talked about for the last couple of weeks trying to make some adjustments to the power play because they weren't happy with how it looked. And it seems like that was a area of focus this week because it does, it looks different, the set looks different, where the shots are coming from looks different, just the motion looks a little different too. I mean really it's been a story two games I think, BC the first half of the game when they went up 3 to nothing. Merrimack takes the timeout, gets a goal after that, then you have the skirmish there that results in all of the penalties and, and the odd man uh, situation for Merrimack they get another goal and, and instead of a situation where they could have been down by 3 or 4 at the end of 2, they're, they're in a game here going into the third. Yeah, I think the timeout helped too. Uh, they, they seem to whether or not they just, I don't, I mean, I don't, it's hard to say that they needed the break, right? I, I don't think that, I think it was a, a, a good use of the time out there just to sort of reset a little bit. You still had more than half the game to play. I think it was about 11.45 left, so you still had more than half the game to play. I think at that point they were scrambling a little bit when BC scored that third goal, so you took the time out, and, and they did seem to reset things after that. It was almost like they hit a reset button and, and came out more like they did in the first five minutes. So they were pretty aggressive in the first five minutes of the game and actually played pretty well. 
Yeah, and the goals that BC got, you look at all three goals they got were guys doing a good job getting to the paint, getting sticks on pucks, good passes in front, as, as was the case on the third goal. And, and it was, I mean, Merrimack was getting outplayed pretty badly at that point, right in the grade A area. I have to think that that's what was discussed in the time out there, uh, and it changed after that. Of course, you know, penalties, we, we still have yet really to see how it's going to shake out once we get back to five on five. But, uh, you know, you can take, I think, the first 30 minutes of this game, go back to also to the Lowell game last Friday. They've been outplayed pretty badly in this rink over the last game and a half or so, and that's not something that usually happens here. If they're going to turn things around here down the stretch and win some games, get to where they want to, that they got to play better. Yeah, that's, that's uncharacteristic. They've played so well in this building for such a long time uh, that I think just look at the schedule, right? They've got three games left here at home, including this one, with uh, seven games left, including this one. I think there's eight games left, including this one. Not many of them are going to be here, so they're going to have to get some points uh, on the road, but they're also going to have to take the points they have available to them here at home because they play so well here. So uh, I, I, everything's important at this point. I think when you look at the standings and you look at now where they are in terms of home ice in the first round, there's not a lock by any means. I mean, they're in ninth place. They're out of it right now in terms of home ice. So they need to get some points. Uh, points at home against teams that a place where they've generally played well, it's going to be important. Well, where it stands, other than Vermont, this is going to be the last game tonight they play against a ranked team the rest of the way. I mean, they will go to Vermont for two games against a ranked team, but still, the next three games are going to be pretty important in that battle for, for home ice. Maybe that last eighth and final home ice spot. They get, they get the game on Tuesday at UConn. The two, two games here next Friday and Saturday against Maine. Those three teams right now are battling for that spot. Yeah, really, five out of the last seven they're going to have are against teams that they might be battling with for that last home ice spot. UConn's one spot ahead of them right now. Maine's a little bit behind them. UNH is a little bit behind them, but it's, it's still, it's all in that same pack of teams that are only separated by maybe four points at the most. So, uh, five out of the last seven are against those teams. So really, in a sense, they control their own destiny when it comes to home ice. If they take care of business against those teams, those teams are going to be competing with, they'll end up here for the first round. All right, let's get down to it then. First, I want to talk about recruiting. A couple of uh, interesting notes this week, and I know you fill us in on that, but really, this team's had trouble scoring goals in Hockey East. That's what it's come down to. Three games, I think, that they've scored more than two. They had the, the four earlier this year against Notre Dame, the four against UMass, and then what I think it was four against uh, Northeastern, three or four against Northeastern. But that's it. Other than that, they haven't scored more than two. You're not going to win a lot of games in Hockey East when that's the case, and they're probably fortunate at this point to be 5-7-2. Could be a lot worse when, when you're not able to score a goal but what's going to be the key here? I mean, a lot of the younger guys have been important. Sini, obviously, Hennig, and so on, Hampus Gustafson, but they got to score goals here in the league. Yeah, to me, it's just you got to get people and pucks in the net. I mean, that's what it comes down to. You look at some of those, the first two BC goals tonight were getting a puck to the net, maybe not from a high scoring area either. Both of them come from the point, but they had a body in front of the net. Turks able to tip both those, both those pucks. So it's just getting pucks and bodies to the net. Sometimes I think, and I know, uh, you know, Mark Denny's talked a little bit about this as well. When they come into the zone, sometimes they try to get too cute with the puck, try to for something that isn't there, uh, maybe not getting as many guys to the net front as they need to. So uh, I think I think it's just getting pucks and bodies to the net. If you can get bodies there, and then just I mean, we see it all the time where guys will come out of the corner uh, and maybe not have a play, but they throw the puck in front because they know somebody's going to be there. It bangs off a couple of guys and ends up in the back of the net. So it's just putting yourselves in position, I think, to to be into high percentage scoring areas, which for the most part is the, the first few feet in front of the crease. All right, so let's talk about recruiting. Like I said, a couple of big commits earlier this week. Tell us about it. Uh, first one, well, the first one was, actually, they both are on the same day, I believe. Uh, 
The first one was a kid out of Camrose, uh, Cole McBride, who actually continues the pipeline they've had out of Camrose. Glashen has come from Camrose, uh, Jardine has come from Camrose, Stollery, Jesse Todd, Chris Barton before them. Uh, so it just sort of continues the pipeline to come out of Camrose. From what I've been able to tell, he seems like a very similar player to a, a player like a, a Barton or a Jesse Todd. Uh, bigger, can even get a little bigger. I think he's only 18, uh, but seems like he, he projects as someone who can probably score some goals for them. Uh, and then the second one was Jace Bailey out of the Ontario Junior Hockey League, uh, who was a player to watch from the NHL draft of the Central Scouting List in November. He wasn't ranked in the midterm rankings that came out a couple of weeks ago, but uh, I talked to a scout who is from the Ontario area, area earlier this week who said that he was going to be their number four uncommitted prospect in Ontario in a, in a list that he works with a scout.ca and uh, he, they were releasing a list of uncommitted kids that were supposed to come out next week and he said Bailey was their number four uh, in the Ontario region so another guy that I think projects is a bigger kid too, I think he's 6'2 or 6'3 as an 18 year old so uh, another kid that projects is someone who can I, I think score at the collegiate level, both of those guys are scoring at the junior level so usually you need to do that before you can score at the, at the collegiate level Alright Mike, thanks a lot uh, I don't know how the third period can be more interesting than that second one, hopefully it's a little prettier but uh, we'll see, at any rate, thanks for joining us Thanks, Mike. All right, Mike McMahon has been with us from the MacReport.com, also from the Eagle Tribune, and our score at the end of two, BC3, Merrimack 2, back with more after this. This is Warrior Hawk.